0: My mission is simple to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. I people make friends. I'm just trying to save you some money. My job's not just to entertain, but to educate, put in context. Call me 1 800 743 CBC or tweet me, Jim Kramer. Cracks. We're seeing some cracks in the armor of prospective earnings from some very important companies, and it is getting downright unnerving. We're now looking at the other side of what the Fed's been doing to stamp out inflation, and it's a big reason why the Dow lost 199 points, S&P shed 0.70 percent and the Nasdaq tumbled 1.06%. We're going to have to learn to live with, not a collapse in commerce, but definitely a slowdown. Along with the decline in profitability that always comes at this particular point in the business cycle. Each day, we see more of these cracks. This morning, we've got some extremely disappointing numbers from Southwest Airlines. Simple LUV, but there was no love. The airline's margins are being pressured by higher gasoline prices. It's not 250 or 260 per gallon. Its budget is $270, 280 which is a huge difference when you think about how much fuel these planes burn. Meanwhile, Southwest revenue per available seat mile, that's uh, RASM, is down rather dramatically. We're looking at a 5 to 7% decline when the company previously said it would just be down 3 to 7%. That is jarring. Looks like business is finally getting hurt by these sudden rises in the formerly tame price of oil it ain't tame anymore. It's up in a straight line. And you can't ignore the fact that Southwest revenue per available seat mile is coming down and coming down hard. That's a sign that the saying the travel and leisure boom might finally be coming to an end. We don't want that. We're a service economy for heaven's sake. It's not our industrial might that's going to keep things going. It's been stuff like travel and leisure, fueling everything. What if we lose it? At the same time, we got some news from General Mills that pet owners are becoming cautious, their economic outlooks dimming, and they're shifting towards more value-oriented products for their pets. Not necessarily the forte of Mills Blue Buffalo Premium products that we use for our dogs, Riga and Tony. I've always felt pet food was one of the more fungible items out there, and it can e- easily become a slippery slope. When things are flying high, your freezer refrigerator filled with pet food looks like G- Green Giant and Hebrew National. Now the pets are getting the cans. Hey, not that they can tell the difference. They're always hungry anyway. I mean, what's the deal? New and improved. More cracks appeared last week when we got the usually reliable dollar general which missed – they had way too much inventory. They missed the quarter badly, perhaps because their bargain sizes aren't as attractive as the deals you can get from Costco, where the premium brand is the house brand Kirkland, and business remains very strong. By the way, the fact that the stock of Costco is breaking out here is actually a bad sign for the stock market, as people know that you save a lot more at Costco, and therefore your dollars go further. We see cracks cracks where – you know, another one that is just like Costco – we got two price target boosts today for the stock of TJX. That's the parent of TJ Maxx and Marshalls, a company that only does this well when so many other merchants are struggling. Remember, TJX buys the unwanted excess inventory of brick and mortar retailers for next to nothing, then it flips it to you, the consumer, a nice markup. It can be a vicious spiral for the rest of retail because once you get hooked at TJX, you're not going back to those full price joints. Not me, I'll tell you that. I go in right next door and I love it. And we saw some big cracks at Walgreens last week when the CEO suddenly left. Uh, really a good sign. You don't leave when things are on track. Plus, the pilgrimage at drugstores, like Walgreens, has become monstrous. It's now considered the cost of doing business at all retailers. They now need to lock everything behind lock and key, right? And have you ever seen that behind that glass? But uh, what, what is that? Uh, now, we don't have time for the clerk to come over with the key, but always feel bad about it anyway. And the only thing that seems locked is the name brand. Not the house brand. Hey, that's how it looks in key aisles of my right Aid. So why not just go buy everything you need from Amazon, which has made same-day delivery an art form this year. You buy it in the morning before you go, I leave for work, right? It's at your doorstep but you get home. Kind of like what it's like with Walgreens, except for faster. And, and by the way, n- no one's stealing it. We see cracks in the banking system, too. No, it's not on the credit side like it usually is, but it's on the lending side. Need more capital to fight the last war, which was what Silicon Valley Bank and First Republic-style bank runs mean. How stupid. That wasn't a capital issue, regulators. It was an investment decision issue. But the regulators don't want to embarrass themselves again. So they've decided to rein in the probability of the banks, which means less credit for you and your main street business. Never mind that the horse has already left the barn. We see cracks in housing. Mortgage applications dipped 2.9% versus last week, we've learned today. No doubt because long-term rates are flying higher, with the possibility of mortgage money coming in around 9%. Two years ago, my mortgage was at 3.35%, and now I'm not going to go anywhere. Neither are all the other people with my mortgage vintage. Housing seems at last to be slowing down, and housing prices have been a thorn in the side of everyone, especially the Federal Reserve. But pulling that thorn with higher rates instead of more supply of houses... Hurts like the dickens. Unfortunately, j Powell can't force the home builders to put up new houses. He can only drive down prices by making it more expensive to borrow. Not a great way to solve the problem. We see cracks in autos. The car companies, Sands, Tesla, are facing what could be a major strike. The unions have a strike fund which is a heck of a lot shorter than the pots of gold that the oil companies have saved. But the oil companies have been pumping out as much product as possible in case we do have a strike, which means they're going to get hurt either way. Think about this. If there's a strike, the production comes to a halt. They don't have enough vehicles to sell. If there's no strike, they'll have way too much inventory that they've built, and you'll see a lot of car ads on television during football season than you can recall. Probably get some good deals, too. We are in a lull for earnings, but during this period, we've seen a rise in the dollar. That takes away one of the biggest props from last quarter. Most of our companies that operate overseas benefit from weaker currency three months ago, they had that. Now it's going to the wrong direction. New crap we didn't expect. And what's the government doing about nothing? The Federal Trade Commission stepping up and going after Amazon for some of its practices that are allegedly hurting merchants? Let's say that's even true. I know there are good reasons to protect merchants. But right now, Amazon is one of the few institutions that's actively lowering prices for you. Only Costco's done more, and now the is going after them thanks for nothing. Even if the FTC has good reason to go after Amazon for hurting merchants, and I'm not all convinced they do, couldn't they wait until after we got inflation Hand. The last thing we need is the government working to push up prices for all sorts of goods. Thank you very much, Lena Kahn, head FTC, for targeting services 65% of Americans rely on. Now, let's take a step back for a second. Remember, September tends to be a terrible month, in part because many big funds have large gains. September's got close to enough up to the end of the year that a lot of these managers will just take profits Or a semi-vacation. Thanks to the September environment, all news gets magnified. It's particularly the bad news. We hear the Chinese government might be uh, saying to their employees they can't bring their iPhones to work. What does that mean for an amazing market for Apple? Shoot first and ask questions later. That's what it means. Governments are angry at mega caps. Don't debate it. Uh, j- just sell them. That's what's happening. Bottom line. There, the real crack we saw today and what we saw yesterday is why I hate September. Too much goes wrong. Hence why the markets are typically down 0.7% for the month. The good news, we're already down that much. So maybe we'll start running out of downside soon, assuming the cracks in this market don't keep getting bigger. I want to go to Kevin and George and Kevin.
1: Mr. Kramer. Kevin, how are you? Thank you for taking my call. Good,
0: how are you? Wow, I'm thrilled that you called in. What's going on?
1: Thank you again for all that you do. Thank Uh, you. This stock is the go-to name when it comes to backup power solutions, and it's been mentioned on the show many times. But even Michael Burry's fund made an investment in this company in its latest 13F filing. After bottoming out at the end of 2022, the stock has shown some signs of life, life, but then got smacked back down after their recent quarterly earnings. In light of its bad earnings with tailwinds like hurricane season and an unreliable electric grid, what are your recent thoughts on Generac holding?
0: Look, I like Chenierec, but I have to tell you, this is—I feel the same way, by the way—for some of these solar edge, some of these solar plays and phase. You need credit in order to be able to buy these big things, and that's what's causing problems because the price of credit has gone up. People don't think of that, but that's what's driving, them down. Let's go to Dennis, my home state of New Jersey. Dennis, booyah from Bedminster, Jim. How you oh, doing? Oh, come on, man! You're right around the corner from me. Good to have you on the show. What's going on? Oh, first, I have to give a shout-out to my beautiful wife of 25 years, married. Well done. If I could. Thank you. And uh, the stock I want to ask you about has a P.E. of about 15, even throws off a dividend of about 2%. It makes chips for many companies, including uh, NVIDIA. And my average cost is $98. Should I buy more, sell, or hold Taiwan Semiconductor? It's a great question. It's the kind of question we answer all the time for the investing club, which is that you're buying it too close to the last purchase. When you're trying to kind of average in like this, you don't want to just do it down six. We like to think down 10% is the first level you should buy. So therefore, you know, you got a few more points before I would put in the Bye bye bye! not yet even though i like the company very much we're already down about as much as we normally are for the entire month of september so maybe we'll start running out of downside soon assuming the cracks in this market don't get deeper although i have to tell you i think they probably will on mad money tonight our team is holding our annual fantasy football draft later tonight and while i'm not quite ready to announce who's my top pick I'll share which stocks I think correspond with which positions and who I think you should be drafting for your stock portfolio. Then CrowdStrike defended itself against Bears after the earnings. So, what drove the strength of the quarter? Don't miss my exclusive with the CEO. And the FTC has its site settled some of the biggest deals on the street. So, uh, how will it impact your portfolio negatively? I'll discuss it. So, stay with Kramer. long last regular season NFL football returns when the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Detroit Lions. Where? 8.20 p.m. Or right here on NBC. And that means if you're one of 55 million plus Americans who play fantasy football, you're probably about to hold your draft if you haven't done it already. We're doing ours tonight for the not your average slump, particularly. Yes, that's the name of our actual league. I am the reigning champ. I don't know if I can double Every year, I like to use this moment to run a fantasy stock football series, though, giving you my favorite fantasy picks and their stock market equivalents. Yes, I do a lot of entertaining. I say at the top of the show. I think it's a great way to learn about investing. Just as different positions play important specific roles for your fantasy team, different types of stocks can play specific roles for your portfolio. You're not going to do well long term if you make a portfolio of five stocks that are all wide receivers. You get a year like 2022 and everything you own is going to collapse. So let me take you through our fantasy stock triathlon, Mad Money. I'm going to start with the quarterback position. In fantasy football, you want a quarterback with a combination of production and consistency. Because most leagues only give you one quarterback spot, you need one that gives you a solid baseline of points week in and week out. That's why. For the past three years, I've called upon Apple. Yes, my original own it do not trade stock. The equivalent of the quarterback position for your portfolio. Apple's up 228% over the past five years, 51% over the past three years, 18% over the uh, past 12 months, trouncing the S&P 500 of the same period. Although there are always naysayers ready to tell you that Apple's finally about to run out of steam, today it's because there's a possible Chinese government ban on their employees using their iPhones at work that's panicked people into selling. It's nevertheless the kind of company that you can trust to win long term. That's why I don't want to overthink the fantasy football equivalent. The best comparison here, of course, is Patrick Mahomes from the Kansas City Chiefs. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion, two-time NFL MVP, and the top producing quarterback in fantasy football last year. And he was on the uh, Kramer's Ski Daddies team. He's the closest thing there is to a blue-chip fantasy football player, a good one to have on your team in any given season. I like his T-Mobile ads, too, by the way. Hey, T-Mobile just put through a good dividend. Good interview by my friend David Faber today with uh, with Mike Siever. Next, we need running backs, RBs. We look for hero running backs, people. The f- running back position are the most important in fantasy football. You're looking for steady production. But the very best running backs for fantasy purposes are the ones who can both rush the ball and catch passes out of the backfield dual threat backs who can win in multiple ways, like my friend from Brooklyn, Brian Westbrook, who was the best, but too early. That's why I like many of the other big tech teams uh, for the running back position in your portfolio. Here we go, ready? Microsoft, Alphabet, and Amazon all of which feature multi-pronged bookcases. Microsoft has a durable, steady enterprise software business in its Office 365 suite of products, as well as a huge growth engine in the Azure cloud computing unit, not to mention some of the best exposure to artificial intelligence through its investment in OpenAI, the company behind ChatGPT, along with the introduction of AI to their products. And of course, they've got gaming, they've got LinkedIn, they got a lot of horses. Alphabet, still primarily an advertising business, has been riding the recovery of the ad market this year with resilient performances from both the core search business, especially YouTube. And by the way, remember you got to sign up. YouTube now set to benefit from the NFL Sunday Ticket games that it took from that lame dreck company. Can't wait to pull down the dish from my roof. But Alphabet also has a huge cloud uh, business in Google Cloud that's getting bigger and bigger, growing well, as well as many other potential sources of growth, like the Waymo self-driving car unit that most people don't even talk about anymore. Finally, Amazon is still mostly e-commerce play, one that's quietly been demonstrating much better than expected profitability in recent quarters as the company grows into the larger footprint it built during the pandemic. They're also the leader in cloud computing space with Amazon Web Services. And while many expected that unit to see big slowdown in growth, uh-uh, it managed to surprise the upside in the most recent quarter, too. I think a lot of that, by the way, is because of artificial intelligence and the demand that you need for space. Call it running back by mega cap committee that I'm giving you. All right, so who are the football equivalents here? this was hard. See, I'd say that Microsoft and Alphabet are best represented by L.A. Chargers running back uh, Austin Eckler, who's just as A lot of people drafted very high this year. And Simpsons the 49ers tailback Christian McCaffrey, a little bit lower because he's injury-prone. Two West Coast players that ended last year as the number one and two running backs in fantasy, respectively. Both Eckler and McCaffrey had prolific years running the ball. Eckler had 915 yards and 13 rushing touchdowns. McCaffrey ran for more than 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns on the ground. But both ended up at the top of the running back rankings because of the receiving production. They each had more than 700 yards receiving and five touchdown receptions. See for Amazon, I think they're more like Saquon Barkley of the of the stock market. Barkley had two injury-impacted years, 2020 and 2021. He wasn't as high as the draft boards last year as he typically is, but then he outperformed, with more than 1,300 yards rushing in 10 touchdowns, plus another 300-plus receiving yards. Hey, that reminds me of Amazon. It's a name that many investors wrote off last year when it became clear that they overbuilt the logistics network. Remember, they hired like hundreds of thousands of people. This year, both Barkley and Amazon feel disrespected, and I bet they'll. Prove the doubters wrong. I think you're going to get paid with both. And, oh, and for the record, I try to never off Giants. Finally, before the break, let's talk wide receivers. Like with running backs, okay, you need production from your receivers. That means a lot of points scored. But with this position, you need to expect more volatility. Some weeks, they'll lead your fantasy. It's, you know, it's sink or swim. Lead your fantasy team in points. Other weeks, they might do nothing for you. In that sense, wide receivers in fantasy football are like pure oxygenated growth stocks that I love so much, which offer gigantic upside when the time is right, but also appears when they're out of favor, maybe when interest rates are rising, for example, and, and they don't get, they get hurt. So who are the wide receivers of this particular stock market? Well, the top dog, of course, is NVIDIA, the best performing stock in the S&P 500 by a mile up well over 200% year-to-date. While I unwinded NVIDIA my second own-it-don't-trade-it name, I also recognize that the stock's still prone to big swings with a 122% gain in 2020 and a 125% gain in 2021, followed by a 50% beatdown last year for this huge rally in 2023. Look, that's a lot of volatility, but when NVIDIA's on, oh, man, it is really on. It's the best growth stock around. That's why the only fair comparison here is Justin Jefferson from the Vikings. He was the top receiver in fantasy football last year with 128 catches, more than 1,800 yards receiving, and eight touchdown receptions. You better believe Hilden. Uh, he, he's going to top. In, if you haven't drafted yet, he's still number one in most of the fantasy picks. Uh, NVIDIA should be the top pick for any investor looking for growth talks You know, this guy's kind of like Jensen Wong. He's the CEO of uh, NVIDIA himself. What else can fill the wide receiver role for your portfolio? Well, how about, of course, Tesla, with its undisputed leadership in electric vehicles? Given the blinding speed of the highest end Teslas and CEO Elon Musk's controversial personality, well, then, of course, we got to pick Tyreek Hill from the Miami Dolphins. Good fantasy football analog. What about meta platforms? Like with Amazon, meta's a comeback story. So, who's that? To me, that makes it Cincinnati Bengals receiver Jamar Chase, whom I had on my team. He beat out Justin Jefferson to win offensive rookie of the year in 2021. He played only 12 games last year due to injury. Oh, man. But in those 12 games, Chase had more than 1,000 yards receiving, nine touchdowns. He should be one of the first receivers off the board in fantasy drafts this year. He's why I felt that Burrow looked so good. I'm expecting a gigantic year for him, not unlike Meta. Fantastic 150% gain so far in 2023. Stock even held up today in such a bad market. Bottom line, we're just getting started with this fantasy football draft. Stay tuned after the break, and we're going to round out our lineups. Why don't you try to guess right down who's going to be our tight end? Flex, defense, and kicker positions. Mad Money is back after the break. After the break, Kramer continues to build a dream team run to daylight. More fantasy stocks are coming up. For the break, we kicked off our annual fantasy stock football series every single year, where we draft a stock portfolio for you the same way we draft a fantasy football team. So far, we've picked a quarterback, some running backs, some wide receivers, but there's a lot more to go. Next, you need a tight end. Now, this is a place where fantasy football varies from actual football. In actual football, the tight end is kind of a hybrid position, part blocker, part pass catcher. But in fantasy, they only get points for catching. Still, I want to remain true to the spirit of the position. So for the tight end, we want a large cap company with defensive characteristics that can protect your portfolio while offering some upside down to day like today. This one did that, did exactly what a tight end is supposed to do. And that's what we're talking about, Eli Lilly. The pharmaceutical giant that makes good money, regardless of how the economies do it. Now, most big pharma stocks are down very, very badly this year. But Lilly has rallied more than 50 percent because it can also make big plays like a real tight end. I'm talking about the launch of Munjaro. That is their diabetes drug that should should, soon be approved as a weight loss treatment. It could even help people deal with substance abuse, high blood pressure and sleep apnea. Can you believe this? I'm not exaggerating when I say I believe this could be the biggest drug of all time. Yet Wall Street still doesn't fully appreciate its potential. Beyond that, Lilly's got an Alzheimer's drug in late-stage development. Lately, they've been making some smart acquisitions, to bulk up the pipeline. Terrific defensive stock with tremendous upside potential that's totally unrecognized. Who's the equivalent of that in the NFL? That's easy. It's Travis Kelsey, the stalwart tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, who finished six out of the last seven seasons as the top-performing fantasy tight end. Last year, Kelsey was more than 100 points ahead of the second-best tight end. But with both Lily and Kelsey, there have been some recent developments to give potential owners pause. The Biden administration's initial list of ten drugs that have been selected for Medicare price negotiation, meaning to drive the price down, included one of Louis' diabetes treatments called uh, Jardians. Meanwhile, Kelsey reportedly injured his knee, might have been hyperextension, night ACL, or practice yesterday, throwing his status for tomorrow night's opener into doubt. Remember, that's on NBC. There, these are causes of concern, but I don't think they're going to ruin the story for Travis Kelsey or Eli Lilly, which means you might be able to get them at a discount. Next, most fantasy football leagues offer an active roster spot for what's known as the flex position. The rules vary from league to league, but given that it's not a real football position, just a construction of the fantasy football ecosystem, your goal for the flex line is simple. Get points however you can. You don't care if those points come from rushing yards, receiving yards, or kick returns. You just want points from your flex. In terms of the stock market, I'll fill the flex spot with Salesforce. I think it's a good fit because the value proposition here has changed dramatically, even in just the past year. For nearly two decades, Salesforce was an unstoppable turbocharger growth stock that traded on revenue growth. Nobody cared about futurities. But when the Fed started raising interest rates last year, Salesforce and its cloud software compadres were crushed because Wall Street suddenly cared about profitability. Eventually, with the stock market near its lows late last year, a bunch of activist investors crowded into the stock all with a unified message. They wanted the company to accelerate its long planned pivot to profitability. And boy, as Salesforce ever delivered, their operating margins improved from just under 20 percent in the second quarter of last year to above 31 percent in the second quarter of this year. That's monumental. It's free cash flow is surging and uh, their earnings have soared. Salesforce beat expectations across the board when reported second quarter just last week. I wasn't here. I had an operation. feel bad. But now I'm here to tell you that that Salesforce quarter was much better than people realized. It was truly a significant breakout. As for Salesforce's NFL analog, why don't we just stay in the Bay Area with another guy who's going to have a breakout? I think San Francisco 49er wide receiver Debo Samuel. He's going to be our flex play. Samuel can both run and catch passes. When he gets the ball in his hands, it's just electric. Now, full disclosure, like Salesforce, Tebow had a lost season last year. Battling some injuries, missing some games, dealing with a revolving cast of quarterbacks for the Niners. He actually finishes the only 37th best receiver. He had a very disappointing year. But with Samuel now healthy and Brock Purdy establishes the 49ers starting quarterback, I'm looking for a bounce back year for Samuel. Hopefully something like the 67% gain that Salesforce stock has already posted uh, in 2023. I have my eye on Samuel, and if I can, I'm already down the 11th hole. If he's around, I might grab him. What else? The last two positions on a fantasy football team are the defense and the kicker slots. very boring, usually save for the last. Doesn't mean it can't make you money. Number one rule for whoever you select for these roles is do no harm. As in don't get negative points from my team. While well, you can technically get negative points from other positions, these results are rare. With a bad defense, you lose points whenever the other team scores. With a bad kicker, you get points deducted from missed field goals and extra points. That's why, for our stock market equivalent of a defense, I'm looking for something new. I'm going to pick Lindy. That's L I N D E, not L I N D Y. The industrial gas powerhouse, which is about as reliable as any stock I follow. It's an industrial uh, growth industrial. Typically, Lindy's stock gets uh, classified as either an industrial or materials play. Uh, and the company can theoretically be dragged down by a weaker economy. However, in practice, it doesn't operate like that large part, Lindy's the top dog in an industry that's functionally an oligopoly. Got, you got to get your industrial gases from somewhere, and there's just not much competition because there were way too many mergers that were allowed to happen. While your first priority for defense is to get one that won't hurt you, the very best defense can actually rack up points, too, by getting sacks and turnovers, even scoring when they get those turnovers. That's why I think the Lindy comparison is so apt. It's never really going to hurt you. But there are some legitimately exciting growth prospects for the company in the hydrogen power space. In fact, you know, they're building this green hydrogen facility upstate New York right now. I think one of my goals is to get there and look at it when it's over. So let's stay in western New York and call Lindy the equivalent of the Buffalo Bills D, which is solid year after year, ending last season as the fifth best defense in fantasy football. Sean McDermott, remember, used to be a defensive coach before he became head coach. Finally, when it comes to your kicker, you want one that's paired with an offense that can move the ball easily and regularly get your player in field goal range. But after that, it's all about dependability, bankability. You want a guy that generally just doesn't miss much, ideally with some long range uh, because we want long field goals to get more fantasy points. And that's why I like the company known as ServiceNow as the kicker for your portfolio. They operate in an attractive industry, enterprise software, that's currently getting some love from Wall Street. Above all, ServiceNow is dependable under the watch of CEO Bill McDermott. With some interesting opportunities in AI too. Yes, they got a great collaboration with NVIDIA, and that's the potential for long range kicks. You know what this reminds me of? The best kicker in the game, maybe, maybe I tell you the best kicker ever, is Justin Tucker. He's the long standing kicker for the Baltimore Ravens. I met him, really nice guy, who's known as, as much for his consistency as his range, which rivals any of the top guys in the position. He's a set it and forget it kicker, just like ServiceNow's Bill McDermott. Not bad. Sleeping at night with a grow stock. Bottom line, building a stock portfolio is just like putting together a great fantasy football team, which is exactly what I plan on doing in our draft later tonight. I do these things because I want you in. I need to get you to watch and learn so we do fantasy football. It's not fanciful. It's fantasy. Alfredo in Florida. Alfredo.
1: Uh, hey Jim, big fan of you from Miami, Florida. Uh, Jim Draftings draft just came off of a great earnings report. I love that company, and I feel the company and management are solid, and I see tremendous growth here. I want your opinion on it. Your take on it.
0: I am totally in your camp, and I think Jason Robbins is going to pivot, start making a lot of money. Uh, he's the CEO. He does a fantastic job. They have a great product. Now, candidly, full disclosure, I did once work and have a show with Traff Kings, and all I can tell you is they're total gents, and I like your call. All right, ahead of the return of football tomorrow night, yes, the Chiefs versus the Lions on NBC, it's worth remembering that building a stock portfolio can be a lot like building a fantasy football team. Just as different positions play specific roles for your fantasy team, different types of stocks can play specific roles for your portfolio. Hey, we have so much more ahead than on man Money, including my exclusive with a huge winner, CrowdStrike. Jumping higher after earnings and after a tough August for the stock, is this the turning point investors have been looking for? I'm going to dig into the story to find out with hot brass. Then, government action against any stock is always cause for alarm. But with a host of big names catching attention from the likes of China. The FTC European regulators should investors be concerned I'm highlighting some important names showing where I come out and all your calls rapid fire tonight's edition of the lightning round so stay with Kramer This year, there's been this pattern in the cybersecurity space. Some of the lower-quality companies in the industry report soft numbers early in the earnings season, drags down the whole group. Last time, it was an ethical, tenable. This time, it was fortunate. Their weakness causes a cascade of fear and profit-taking in the rest of the sector. But when we hear from the higher-quality players, it turns out that things are much better than feared. That was the case three months ago, and it was the case again last week when CrowdStrike, the cloud-native cybersecurity outfit, delivered yet another set of great numbers. These guys posted a comfortable top and bottom line beat with tremendous guidance for the current quarter, and they also raised their full-year forecast dramatically. They smashed tons of records. That's why the stock jumped more than 11% since we got these numbers just a week ago. Can it keep climbing? Let's check in with George Kurtz, the bankable co-founder and president and CEO of CrowdStrike, get a better read in the quarter, and what comes next. Mr. Kurtz, welcome back to Mad Money.
1: Great to be here, Jim.
0: All right. So, George, uh, in your opening statement, you use the term records as in record this record that 21 times when everyone's telling me that it's very difficult to get a decision made. Got to go to the top guys. It's taking longer. How could you have mentioned it 21 times? What are you doing?
1: Well, I think, Jim, it shows the performance, obviously, of the company and the great work that uh, all the CrowdStrikeers have done. And more importantly, the platform approach that we've taken and the fact that customers are consolidating on CrowdStrike, which is really driving these records. One of the stats that we're most proud of is um, the modules that we land with in a customer, uh, eight or more is up 80 percent year over year. So this this concept of of consolidation and being able to take more wallet share from the rest of the players is playing out. And that's the reason when I built the company, it was really to be that Salesforce of security, that foundational platform security company, and uh, we see it reflected in the numbers.
0: One of the things that I thought was very encouraging was you talked about how for years you actually had the basis for artificial intelligence, but now you have these large language models. And what they do, and you were very pointed about it, is, you can have a really smart person that doesn't know code, but they can speak, and the machine gets it. And it seems like that yours is easier to speak to. So can you tell our viewers what that really means
1: yeah it's really a great question and as you pointed out jim we've been doing artificial intelligence before it was fashionable i started the company in 2011 2012 is really where we started our journey to be able to identify and prevent cyber threats never seeing them before based upon artificial intelligence now we look at uh, the current environment generative ai is a new type of artificial intelligence and essentially charlotte ai is our is our virtual security analyst and the reason why we're so excited about this is it isn't just having a conversation with Charlotte who can provide the collective wisdom of CrowdStrike, but it's actually having Charlotte do something on your behalf. And it's driving automation, SOC automation, into the security industry where there's just not enough skilled uh, folks in the industry and, and they're super expensive. So we're going to be showing more Uh, on charlotte ai at our falcon conference coming up here in uh, las vegas in september and uh we can't wait to, to show it to the world
0: i'll drill down a little bit more on that so instead of having some code person who has to translate what someone who's in the field knows could that person just ask directly to charlotte look we read about a consumer packaged goods company that just had a really bad hack we're worried ourselves can you tell us where in the chain that person that company was hacked is it like that
1: well, it's really uh, taking what a SOC analyst does, and that, that's the person who's kind of dealing with security on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, for eight hours a day or eight hours a shift, there's a lot of mundane work that has to happen. But our goal is to be able to take those eight hours and reduce that to about 10 minutes. And oh. you have a conversation with Charlotte, which is, tell us about the threats in the environment. How does it apply to my industry? What assets are at risk? Please fix those assets. Roll out a patch. Uh, and then write a report about it so I can give it to my boss. Those are things that Charlotte can do today, and that's why we're so excited. That's why our customers are so excited about this uh, this innovation that we're driving Well, that in would be space. about
0: 20 people, George. 20 people might have been involved to do that otherwise.
1: Uh, it would take a tremendous amount of effort to be able to do that, and not only can we drive automation with our platform, something called Falcon Fusion, and really helps automate the entire kind of workflow, but it really is going to take the collective wisdom of CrowdStrike, the, the 12 plus years being in business, all the threats that we've seen, all the attacks we stopped, and then make that available to these analysts to help them make the best decisions and then automate the work for them.
0: George, I've started seeing some consolidation. Some companies were try- trying to get bids and they weren't. Are we at the point now where we've got uh, some companies that you respect that are going to be around for a long time? We've got like a, you know, a group of companies that are going to be the winners, so to speak.
1: I think that's right, Jim. You have the have and the have-nots. Uh, we're certainly one of the big platform players in the industry. There are other companies uh, that are certainly going to do well, and that's great for the industry. But when you look at what we do and the consolidation that's taking place, certainly there's consolidation in the buying of technologies, and that's why CrowdStrike has done well. But there's also consolidation in the players in the, in the marketplace, whether it's public companies or private companies. Um, If you're really not a platform, um, I think you're going to separate the wheat from the chaff. And and really, we're seeing that separation take place in a very challenging macro environment.
0: Uh, Well, one of the things I do want people to to know is is that you're very uh, prudent in not talking about a lot of the customers. You use Fortune 50, Fortune 500. But you were very aggressive in mentioning your partnership with Amazon Amazon Web Services, which everybody knows the gold standard. That just seems to get bigger and bigger each quarter. Am I correct about that?
1: You're correct. They've been a fantastic uh, partner and and customer of ours. And when we think about Amazon and Amazon Web Services, it's been a great channel for for both organizations. We were their partner of the year uh, because of the the success that we've had with them and because the technology is helping prevent these uh, these cloud attacks. And that's one of the areas that I talked about on the the conference call, how fast our cloud business is growing, almost 300 million in, in cloud. And that's really the new frontier. And we're really pioneering Being able to identify and stop those threats and obviously we're partnering with aws to make that happen
0: on the other side i mean you mentioned for instance a leading residential construction manufacturer needed you and the first thing i thought of there and i don't want to be too naive is like oh come on why would a leading residential construction manufacturer be worried about being hacked but the answer is just the opposite right everyone should be worried about being hacked
1: absolutely everyone and in particular whether it's big small companies, public or private, they have to worry about it for a few things. One, uh, it's a massive impact to a business if you have a hack. Data theft or data encryption will just absolutely cripple a business. Number two, and I mentioned this on the conference call, with the SEC guidance that's coming up right. in terms of mandatory breach disclosure, you have to be able to disclose and, and, uh, and report this within four days material breaches. So, you know, we, we think it's going to be a driver for companies. Uh, obviously, you want to stop all those, but you want to be instrumented in a way that you can identify these tax. And uh, be able to to report to the regulators if there's a potential issue. And that's why big and small companies need security.
0: Well, look, and I I neglected to say how hugely profitable you are versus where you might have been, because that's the focus. You decided to pivot, you make money for your customers, and you made a lot of money for your shareholders, and that's terrific. George Kurtz, co founder, president, and CEO of CrowdStrike. George, always good to have you on the show. Thank you.
1: Thanks so much, Jim.
0: Yeah, Mike's back here for the break.
1: Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the
0: sky is the limit. It's a fast-fire lightning round, next.
1: Next on Last Call, don't miss an exclusive interview with UAW President Sean Fain ahead of next week's potential strike. Can a deal get done in Detroit? Last Call, next CNBC. someone at EliteSingles.com today. My dad went EV. It's electric, don't
0: it. It is time, it's time for the lightning round. That's <laughs> what of course, when of am gonna shit myself, I'm going play <laughs> the sound and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the lightning round. Come on, we're going to start with Tyler in California. Tyler! Hey, big booyah from California. How you doing, Jim? Good to have you on the show, Tyler. What's going on? Uh, super bullish on those tomatoes, man. They're looking great. So, did, did, the, the crop this year was so bumper, my wife is throwing them at me. What's happening? Uh, all
1: right, so I found a dividend stock that operates a real estate trust, engages in data, services, location, and interconnection. Also serving industries in AI, networks, cloud, digital media, mobile, financial services, healthcare, and even gaming.
0: What are your thoughts on digital real estate, trust DLR? Oh, every good trend at DLR. I happen to like it very much. As a matter of fact, if you wanted to buy it, i put on, let's say, 100 shares. You buy 25 here, and then you wait every quarter point up in the yield. That's the way you play DLR. Let's go to Lane in New York. Lane!
1: Hey, Jimmy, baby, third time, long time, baby. Holy What's cow, racket? I mean, you're like cadre, partner. What's happening? Not much. Hey, I want to tell you, before I get to my stock, I want to tell you, you know what the Eagles need to do this year to win the Super Bowl? They
0: need to erect a statue in Jim Cramer's honor at the stadium, an honorary first uh, coin pot. Well, why not on the steps of the art museum or in front of next to Mike Schmidt over there at the back? Why is it just one stadium It's a link. They should take down Absolutely. that the name link that all that, that, that insurance company ain't doing that well. They should just put up Kramer. Go ahead. I like that. All my right, head's hey, not big US enough. U.S.R. restaurant brand. All right, I got a Kim. Oh, Horses my. You got to Patty Doyle running that now. He's executive chairman. That stock is a buy, buy, buy. Oh, they want to way, put way, 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 a statue way, of him in front of the link. Let's go to Trey in Texas. Trey. Jim, all my life, I've wanted a Rolex. And after a decade of hard work and savvy investing, I fished the date just out of one of those claw machines at a casino in Biloxi last night. Could Tallow's energy shorten the lead time on my next speech? Uh, It's okay. It's not a great oil. I actually like... Um I like Pioneer PXD. I lost $25 on that claw at Dave & Buster's. Just kept putting the money in. It was ridiculous. My daughter goes there and says, like, boom, she gets an iPhone. Well, yeah, kind of a kind of a you know, fluffy iPhone. Not really. Let's go to Tim in Illinois. Tim. Don't mess around with Jim or Tim. That's right. That's absolutely right. What's up? IOMQ. Everybody loves this, AI loves this thing. Everyone loves this thing. You know why they love it? because of quantum computer. Do they actually love quantum computing? Do they look that the company's losing money? I am going to say no, no, no. I want to go to John down in Florida. John. Hey, hi, Jim. It's John Kay from Dunedin, Florida. It's been quite a while since I spoke to you. It sure has. It's good to hear from you, my partner. What's happening? Uh, Jim, uh, I'd like to have your input on, uh, Dynavax, DVAX, I have liked this thing for so long, John. No way listens to me because I like any immune system situation that's finally starting to get its due, and you and I know that it's the right thing, it's good to have John from Dunedin back again. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round! Coming up, what do Apple and other mega caps have in common with your average supermarket? Kramer gets real on the government. Next. Booyah, Jim. Your integrity makes you the booyah saint of Wall Street. Booyah, Jimmy Jimmy Chill. Booyah, Jimmy Chil. Booyah, Jim. Quadruple. That's a lot of booyahs. These are the times to try Apple's shareholder souls and a whole bunch of others, too. Yes, today we've got government intervention pretty much everywhere we look when it comes to the mega cap tech outfits. And we need to see how it plays out before we panic. Panic is not a strategy. This market can handle one or two governing incursions, but, but a wide assault robot assaults on a bunch of them all at once. Forget about it. Government actions threw gasoline on today's Kingsford stock market, and it was just bad news. Let's start in China, where the government has reportedly banned iPhones for government officials when they're at work. Apple has a 7% market share and growing in China. They've made their phones for China. I mean, geez, it's just exactly playing by the rules. This seems punitive to me. It, it's kind of one of those erratic initiatives by the Chinese government that, uh, that, that Commerce Secretary Jean Romano told us she'd know what we were tolerant. She came on the show, no matter if they did it anyway. Cause a huge reversal in Apple stock. It may be a question if Madam Secretary just says enough is enough. They disrespect to be big time. Don't be surprised. Then you go to Europe, where Apple, Amazon, Meta, and Microsoft are now considered gatekeepers. A designation that means there'll be additional laws and scrutiny, kind of a regulatory person of interest. The result? Who knows? Maybe checks written. Maybe worse. In this country, the FTC is about to sue Amazon for tying product sales and effectively forcing sellers to do more business with them. At least that's the pretext. In reality, I think FTC Chair Linacon, I think she's just had it in, in for Amazon for ages. So she couldn't wait for this chance. When it comes to trillion-dollar companies, she sees them as guilty until proven innocent, obviously. She would love to break up Amazon because it's too powerful. Something she wrote about doing in a piece of the Yale Law Journal. Thanks. The case about Amazon has nothing to do with protecting you. It's about protecting merchants, meaning this is a bizarre situation where the FTC wants to enable businesses to charge higher prices to you. Plus, if Amazon's really so anti-competitive, why did their former arch-nemesis Shopify agree to do a deal with them to save both companies' costs on fulfillment? You better believe they pass those savings on to you. That's their nature. So what happens if the FTC succeeds in breaking up Amazon? Presumably, the consumer would end up paying more. Yes, because each Amazon division would be fighting for money. Right now, the actual delivery business gets subsidized by the advertising and web service divisions. perfect. If that goes away, the prices will go higher. I know Lena Kahn is reflexively skeptical of big business, but if she really breaks up Amazon, the only winners will be the shareholders because it's a great way for the company to unlock value. Pretty sure that's not what she's going for. She is not rigorous to the least. Oh, and keep this one on your radar screen. Kroger wants to close this deal with Albertsons, but it'll need to divest some of its overlapping stores. The FTC has said it'll try to block any deal like this because selling some stores has often failed to do anything. Most notoriously with the Safeway and Albertson deal that the FTC blessed not that long ago. They spun off some stores to eliminate overlap only for the buyer of those stores to go under very quickly. Terrible embarrassment for them. Now, though, Kroger, which is seeking to buy apples, has a very well-financed buyer, CNS wholesale grocers, owner of Piggly Wiggly, backed by SoftBank, Japanese company with a pool of cash, they would seem to be on solid footing. Will the FTC block it anyway? When you see so much government intervention at once, it reminds us that the mega caps are still at the mercy of governments around the world. When the regulators decide that they should be punished, there will be punishment. To me, it's the cost of doing business for these big companies. When I see these things, I say to myself, this is why it's so hard to make money in the stock market. The government onslaught can be a little much for even the most fierce bulls. And everybody gets hurt, but not so much that it's worth panicking people. I say, stay the course. These companies are remarkably adept; they will figure it out. The regulators rarely prevail long term because these companies know their own business much better than the government does. And in so often the case, they do you a great service. I like to say, there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise. To try to fight it just for you, right here on Mid Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Last call starts now.